Before we get started on today's podcast, we want to remind you that coming up, Open Doors Canada has the opportunity to present the research behind the 2024 World Watch List to members of the Canadian Parliament. This is the research that informs what we do, and it's a chance to share with our lawmakers and policymakers in Canada the realities of Christian persecution in 2024. So you can help us out by going to opendoorscanada.org slash invite your MP. The more people who invite their MP, the more opportunities we will have to share our information with members of the Canadian Parliament. So opendoorscanada.org forward slash invite your MP, and it takes 30 seconds. You're listening to the Open Doors Canada podcast. At Open Doors, we work to strengthen Christians where faith costs the most so that they can continue to be the church in some of the most dangerous places on earth. In this podcast, we analyze current persecution trends, share stories from Christians that face high levels of persecution for their faith, and always stand with them in prayer. Thanks for joining us. Here's today's episode. Hi, welcome back to the Open Doors Canada podcast. This is Jared here with Nicolette. We're going to be talking today about the country of Libya. Mm-hmm. Or more accurately, we're going to talk as much as we can. Yes. The, the reality with Libya is, is we can't actually talk too much about the situation mm-hmm. on the ground. What we can do is give you a little glimpse at what life is like for believers there. Uh, we can chat about some recent developments for Christians in Libya. And then most importantly, we can discuss how you can be praying for your brothers and sisters in the country of Libya. Yeah. So Libya is number three on the 2024 World Watch List with a score of 91 points. Its persecution score is 91 points, which has increased three points from last year. Um, Libya has been a, a pretty consistent mainstay in the most persecuted countries for several years uh, in a row now, um, thanks to a strictly Islamic government. The nation is governed by Sharia law, meaning that in the eyes of authorities, there are no Christians in the country. But the truth is more complicated than that. It's more complicated because the majority of believers in Libya, what they do is they're forced to conceal their faith, Mm -hmm. sometimes for years at a time. Uh, And so the exact number of Christians in Libya isn't fully known. There's about 7 million people in Libya. Um, Open Doors estimates that of that, there's around 35,000 Christians in a population of 7 million. So not a lot, but more than the zero that, you know, that authorities might uh, want to to say that there is. And most of these Christians are foreign migrants from places like uh, Egypt or Sub-Saharan Africa. Very few are Libyans who have converted from Islam. Mm But regardless of origin, every believer in Libya may experience intense pressure uh, from his or her family, from the state, from society. Christians risk imprisonment, and every believer is in constant danger of losing their life. Yeah, it's, it's a risk for a believer if they express their faith publicly, particularly if they come from a Muslim background. Um, when these believers are discovered, uh, they will likely be scorned by their own family, and they certainly face threats from uh, Islamic militants and the Libyan government. Persecution was rampant during the rule of Muammar Gaddafi until 2011, and even though he was removed from power at the time, uh, the persecution has remained. So let's talk a bit about what Christianity in Libya does look like. So Christians in Libya, as we said, both native and migrant are a mix between believers who have converted from Islam and born and raised Christians, Mm -hmm. largely from other parts of of Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, Egypt. There are a few churches in Libya, all of which are catered toward migrant communities. Mm -hmm. 
In other words, churches for Libyan Christians aren't a thing. Yeah. Uh, but even believers in those churches do find themselves at risk. Uh, our listeners may remember seven Christians who were infamously captured in 2014 and executed, as well as 21 Coptic Christians. Do you remember this? It was in the news. I think it, I do yeah. remember it, yeah. Um, we were younger at the time. Yes. Uh, I remember it was, it was a pretty big deal. 21 Coptic Christians who were kidnapped by the Islamic State yeah. and, and beheaded in 2015. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's very horrific. And of course, these are extreme uh, stories, but on a day-to-day -day basis, the most dangerous activity for Christians in Libya would be evangelism. Sharing your faith is illegal in, in Libya as a Christian, and uh, discussing your faith with others is certainly very dangerous. In a nation where Islam is the law and Christianity is not an option, tolerating Christians is not something that the Libyan government or the society advocates yeah, for. Yeah, and there's reasons behind yeah. that. So without going into too much socio-political detail. Uh, Libya's current situation has to be understood in light of the ousting of Muammar Gaddafi, who we referenced earlier. So since then, uh, Libya has ended up in a scenario with sort of a, a patchwork of militant groups controlling different parts of the country and vying for supremacy. Uh, currently, the country is more or less divided into an eastern and western bloc. On the geopolitical and ideological level, the country's become an international battlefield in which Outside countries, outside influence uh, and military superpowers, they try to gain more and more influence through whatever group they're aligned with. Yeah. Don't want to get too much into the weeds, but that's kind of the, the unstable situation that we have. Yeah. So, so in short, the situation is unstable and it's prone to conflict. Yeah. Any hope for uh, an improvement in the situation for Christians in Libya is contingent upon an improvement in the political and security situation within the country. Yeah. Um, so if a central government would be able to assert more authority and restore law and order in the country, Christians would probably receive protection from the more egregious forms of persecution, even though there would not necessarily be any guarantee of freedom of religion and belief. However, in the long run, uh, the nature of the permanent political and constitutional order that would emerge from the current peace and uh, transition process would be the most decisive factor for the freedom of uh, religion of Christians in Libya. Given Libya's conservative Islamic culture, it's unlikely that Christians, and especially Libyan Christians from a Muslim background, will enjoy full freedom of religion and belief in the long term, unfortunately. Yeah, it's one of those situations where uh, Christians are seen as not citizens, where it's like, if you're a Libyan, you're expected to be a Muslim. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. I, I feel like I say this like every other podcast, <laughs> but it's so important to me that we understand that the church just goes back so far in, in countries like this. Um, here's a trivia question for you. Okay. <laughs> Do you know which Bible character is from Libya? Oh. Hmm. It's not the person that Paul encounters um, when he's reading... Uh, the Bible and and uh, he asks Paul to help interpret. Are you thinking of the Ethiopian eunuch? Yeah. Yeah. No, not it's him. not him. No, because he's from Ethiopia. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No. That's that's my best guess. <laughs> uh, Simon of Cyrene was the man who carried Jesus' cross. Wow. Uh, going to the uh, going to the crucifixion, and Cyrene is a city that was now in in modern day Libya. 
Wow. So let me read oh, this that's verse. That's incredible. So this is um, uh, Mark chapter 15. Let me pull up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark chapter 15, verse 21. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha. So it was a Libyan who carried Jesus' cross. That's amazing. What's interesting in that verse is it references the father of Alexander and Rufus. Uh And the thought behind that, uh, the prevailing thought, is that the author of Mark included that because Alexander and Rufus were known to the Christian community. It'd be like saying, like, hey, you know our friends Alexander and Rufus? Their dad, Simon, was forced to carry the cross. In other words, it was Libyan Christians who seem to have been members of the early church at the time of the writing of Mark. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's a bit of speculation, but that's the general thought. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about the Libyan church being like, there's there's no Christians here, or, you know, in order to be Libyan, you can't be a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, It's one of those instances when the Christians who are there, the secret believers, can hold on to a faith tradition that goes back to someone interacting with Jesus at the crucifixion, which is, to me, that's amazing. And it's why it's it's so important that we pray with God's people in Libya that they would remember that they are not alone, that there is validity in their Christian faith, mm-hmm. despite the fact that they live in a country that would seek to persecute them for that. And so today and every day when you, our listeners, are praying, please pray for Libya. We want to pray for Christians who are imprisoned for their faith. We want to pray for strength and perseverance for the Libyan church in the face of persecution and discrimination. You know, they risk so much to follow Jesus. We want to lift them up ask God to strengthen them and bind up the wounds that they have. Mm-hmm. So we're going to close in prayer. Would you mind praying yeah, for, for sure. Libya? Let's pray together. Uh, Lord Jesus, today we think of our brothers and sisters in uh, Libya today, God, and it's so special to hear of this amazing uh, Christian history that's in the country. That um, uh, and, and Lord, I hope that 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 fact is an encouragement to our brothers and sisters there, Lord. I think of um, the isolation and the pressure that uh, Christians in Libya must face, Lord. I remember hearing a story of uh, a Christian from somewhere in North Africa, not exactly sure where, but in their story they said that they felt like they were the only Christian in the whole area. And um, we just we just think of our brothers and sisters and how, um, how uh, isolated they must feel um, to be such a minority, um, but also such a hidden minority that must uh, stay stay secret, must stay underground. And Lord, um, although the idea of that um, can be so overwhelming to us in our humanity, Lord, we know that you um, are the God that does big things Mm -hmm. like move mountains, but you're also the God of who hears and sees the small details, who who whispers who whispers truths, who's there in the silence, who sits with us in our grief. And Lord, I, I know that you're moving in that way with uh, the church in Libya. And so, Lord, we, we think of those, um, uh, Lord, that are facing imprisonment um, in Libya because of their faith, God. Would you, would you be present with them in a special way? And Lord, even though they can't uh, know, I pray that their spirits would feel the prayers um, from around the world. Um, of, of Christians who are remembering their story, even us today as we pray for them. Um, I pray that they would feel encouraged in their, in their spirit and know that they're not alone. Um, we, we pray for the church to have courage and strength to rely on you, um, to rely on your faithfulness and to trust God that 
um, that you are there with them. And even uh, the things that uh, humans mean for evil, God, you can turn them for good. We know that um, that you love the persecutors of the church in Libya, that they are your children as well. And I pray, Lord, that um, the church in Libya would grow, that um, people that persecute the church would begin to to question why they do that and question why people choose to hold on to you despite the cost um, and that, that lives would be touched, um, that more and more people would, would uh, get to know you and to hold on to the hope of Christ. Um, so um, we, we know that you're doing an amazing thing um, in, in Libya and I just pray, Lord, for our brothers and sisters to hold on to you even uh, while it's difficult. Um, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Open Doors podcast. Once again, please do take a few seconds to invite your member of parliament to the special presentation of the World Watch List Research to Canadian parliamentarians. It's opendoorscanada.org slash invite your MP. We need your help to make this event the best it can be. And be sure to follow along at Open Doors Canada on uh, all social media, YouTube, because we'll be posting content from Ottawa when we're able to get there. So follow along to be a part of that. We'll see you again on the podcast next time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Open Doors Canada podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you know when our next episode is out. You can learn more about what persecuted Christians face and how you can help to strengthen them on our social media at Open Doors Canada or at our website, opendoorscanada.org.